0: Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this Toe Tag. I am T.G. Wolf and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a murder, mystery, and mayhem. Today is a bonus episode that we call A Toe Tag. This is the first chapter from a fresh release in the mystery, crime, and thriller genre. Today's featured release is Hero Haters by Ken McQueen. Today we're going to do both the prologue and the first chapter. So here we go with the prologue. Spokane, Washington, August 2019. Local hero Anderson Wise can't remember the last time he paid for a drink at Sharky's. Nor can he remember an embarrassing assortment of women who selflessly shared their affection post-Sharky's. As for that last blurry night at the gin mill, well, he wished to hell he'd stayed home. The bar's owner, Sharon Key hence Sharky's, took joy in chumming the waters on Wise's behalf for a regular catch of what she called hero worshippers. She saw him getting laid as partial repayment for saving her 11-year-old grandson, Toby, some 18 months back. A disaffected dad, high on crystal meth, stormed into Toby's classroom to take issue with the kid's latest report card. He showed his displeasure by shotgunning the teacher, then reloaded and asked all the A students to identify themselves. As the high-as-a-kite shooter herded the high achievers to the front of the class, Wise, the school custodian, charged into the room armed with a multi-purpose dry chemical fire extinguisher. He blasted the shooter with a white cloud of mono-ammonium phosphite to minimal effect, then slammed the gun out of his hands. It discharged into the floor, sending several pellets into Wise's left foot, thoroughly pissed Wise ended the drama by pile-driving the extinguisher into the shooter's face. Sharon Key, a widow in her early 60s, subsequently replaced the beer signs and dartboard with blow-ups of the laudatory press Wise earned during the tragic aftermath. The front of the next day's local paper held a pride of place. It carried a photo of Wise, extinguisher in hand, under the headline, Greater Tragedy Averted as Hero Janitor Extinguishes Threat. The story contained a pull quote in large font, which Gret came to regret. It's a versatile extinguisher, the modest 30-year-old explained, good for Class A, B, and C fires and meth heads. Said famous extinguisher now guards the top shelf of booze at Sharky's Oak and Brass Bar. New stories were added to Sharkey's wall five months back after Wise was awarded, with much publicity, the Sedgwick Trust Sacrifice Medallion, one of the most prestigious recognitions of heroisms that American civilians can achieve. Wise's liver, and the lower part of his anatomy, took a renewed pounding in the weeks after that, so much so that he declared a moratorium on visit to Sharkey's for reasons of self-preservation. He was back in the saddle a month now, but his attendance was spotty. This hero stuff, he confided to Key one night while slumped in his chair. Maybe it's too much of a good thing? You think? Key muttered as she took inventory of the night's limited offerings. It wasn't just the women. Men often bought him drinks, too, happy to bask in the reflected glory of a proven manly man. Two weeks ago, some weedy academic from back east interviewed him at Sharky's and staked him to an alcohol-fueled dinner at the city's Best Chop House. The brainy one expected Wise to opine on such things as Nero-Darwinian rules for altruism. Asked him if he'd been motivated by a kinship bond with anyone in the room. Uh, no. Wondered if Wise knew that a disproportionate number of risk-takers are working-class males. No, sorry. Had he calculated in the moment that the historic display of good genes would make him a desirable mating partner? Cripe, really? I don't know what I was thinking why I said, swirling a glass of something called Amarone, a wine so amazing angels must have crutched the grapes between their tiny perfect feet. Heard a gun blast, grabbed the fire extinguisher off the wall, saw the dead teacher, all those kids, and a nut with a shotgun. Did what anybody would do. I spent three years in the army after high school, mostly in the motor pool. Much as I hated basic training, maybe some of it stuck. Who knows? The academic gave a condescending smile and called for the bill. His hypotheses apparently confirmed. Wise fled to the restaurant toilet and took notes on the back of his payslip. Back home, he Googled the hell out of the studies on extreme altruistic stimuli, on empirical perspectives on the duty to rescue, and, after many false starts, on theories of Byronic and Lilithian heroes. He kinda got the concept of of desirable mating partner, but he was pretty sure his dick didn't lead him into that classroom. Did it? While not a reflective guy, Wise had to admit it was creepy to reap the fleshy benefits of a few seconds of glory while his dreams were haunted by visions of the teacher, Ada Summerhill, slumped over her desk, blood pooling beneath her. So much blood. With the shooter sprawled unconscious, Wise gently lifted Ada's head. She had no pulse and her eyes, once so vibrant and expressive, were as empty as an open grave. She'd always been nice and totally out of his league. So here he was, back at Sharkey's, mind made up. Key arrived at his courting table and sat down as Jack and Ginger Ale. Gave my notice at the school, he told her. Gotta get out of here for a while. Got that Sedgwick money to spend. Some place they don't know me. Mexico maybe? Costa Rica. He patted his hand. Knew this was coming, Andy. You banged every eligible female in town, pretty much, and some who should have been out of bounds. I'm amazed the tourist bureau didn't list you as a top ten attraction up there with the botanical gardens. All I want, Cher, is to be liked for me, not for something I did because I happened to be in the wrong place at the right time. Or is it the other way around? Hey, she said, You're a good-looking guy. Still got that shaggy blonde baseball player hair going for you. Might have taken a run at you myself if my hips weren't shot. She patted his cheek. Made you blush. Now, don't turn into a beach bum down there. Always thought you aimed too low, mopping floors and washing windows for the school board. Time to stretch. She craned her neck toward the door after it opened with a bang. My, mine, and here's one for the road. She was in earlier asking for you key aimed a nod at the door and whispered don't strain anything then she headed to the bar wise looked up and sweet Jesus early 20s he guessed his eyes roamed from the strappy sandals up the long expanse of tan bare leg to the glittering silver dress that started perilously high thigh and ended well below exposed shoulder early 20s he guessed his eyes roamed from strappy sandals up a long expanse of tan bare legs to a glittering silver dress that started perilously high thigh and ended well below the exposed shoulders the ripe promise of youth was on full display like she dipped her bounteous curves in liquid lame she drew every eye in the place as she undulated to his table full red lips high cheekbones chestnut hair piled high Up close now, her gimlet eyes were at once innocent and knowing, like a debauched choir girl. Hi, hero. Her voice was low and sultry as he knew it would be. She remained on her feet, hands on the table, leaning low to full effect. When you finish that drink, I really want to see your medal. He remembered her mixing drinks back at his apartment, while he retrieved his medallion from the sock drawer in his bedroom. He remembered her running a sensuous thumb over the base relief portrait of Philip Sedgwick as she read aloud the inscription, The most sublime act is to set another before you. That wondrous voice lingering over, sublime act, like it was lifted from the Satra. And like too many times, post-sharkies, damned if he could remember her name, that evil bitch, He awoke, bouncing in the back of a van, hands and legs cuffed to rings set in the floor. A broken glass headache served notice of every bump in the road. Another night lost at Sharky's. Wise had the dreadful feeling he'd never be back. Chapter One, Aberdeen, Washington, July, one month earlier. Jake Oakham was one kilometer in, one kilometer to go, and already in a world of pain. Lungs, legs, and palms, always the damn palms, screaming, enough already. He wailed away on his Concept 2 rowing machine for 30 minutes, building up to this. He stripped off the sweatshirt after 10, the t-shirt after 25. Now down to running shorts and gym shoes, his torso gleaming with sweat despite the morning chill. He rested after a 30-minute warm-up to gulp water and considered the need to reinforce the pilings under the creaky wooden deck before it dumped him and the ergonomic, into the Wickershaw River below. Might leave it in the river mud if it came to that. Full race mode now. One kilometer in, another one to go. The ERG's computer showed the need to pick up the pace to break the six-minute barrier, something he'd regularly shattered a decade ago during his university days. Thrust with the legs, throw back the shoulders, arms ripping back the handle, return to the catch, and repeat. 500 meters to go. Eyes fixed on a duck touching down on the river, looking anywhere but the screen. 250 meters. Faster. Harder. Don't lose technique. 50 meters. You can do this. A final piston thrust of legs, shoulders, arms, and... 6 minutes. 13 seconds. Fuck! His roar startled the duck into flight. He slumped over his machine, gasping for air, ripping at the Velcro tabs of his gloves, throwing them on the deck in disgust hated those damn gloves. So essential these days. Head bowed, he heard the cabin's door rasp open. Such language! Clara Newfield, his aunt and techn- technically his boss as publisher of Gray's Harbor Independent, leaned against the door frame. He didn't look up. Don't bother knocking. Make yourself at home. I did. And I am, she said. Got a couple of things to show you. Right up your alley. Might be pieces for next week's issue. She was tall and lean, in tight jeans and a faded Nirvana sweatshirt, her spiked white hair cut short. At 64, she still turned heads. Jake knew her age to the day, Clara being his mother's identical twin. Connie, his late mother, fell to breast cancer at 45. So much of his mother in Clara, so much that when Jake finished high school and rode his rowing scholarship east of Pittsburgh's Carnegie Mellon University, his father, Roger Oakham, moved his accounting business to Bend, Oregon. Said it was for the golfing, but Jake suspected the sight of his late wife's twin was a constant reminder of his loss. Connie and Clara, fresh out of university, worked for their father at The Independent, Clara on the advertising side and Connie as a reporter. They took the helm of the paper after Derwin Newfeld, their dad, Jake's grandfather, collapsed and died midway through crafting a fiery editorial on the mule-headed decision to pull the catcher in the rye from the high school library. After Connie's death, Clara did double duty as editor and publisher until she succeeded six months ago in luring Jake home to Washington State from Pittsburgh to take over as editor-in-chief. This five-room stilled home, Clara's former college on the title, Wishka, was his signing bonus. One of the dwindling numbers of real estate ads in The Independent would describe the cabin something like, a cozy oasis on the Wishka, surrounded by nature and just minutes from the city. Fish from your deck while contemplating the possibilities of this prime riverfront property. A bit of TLC gets you a rustic getaway while you make plans for your dream home. After years in urban Pittsburgh, he awoke now to bird chatter and the sights and scents of a moody, muddy wishka, his current pulled as he was pulled to the infinite Pacific. Jake gathered his shirts and gloves and cringed at the sniff test of his underarms. I'll keep my distant, he said, waving Clara inside. What's up, myality? She waved two dummy pages, the ads already laid out, plenty of blank space for him and his skeleton staff to fill with stories and photos. Jake was still adjusting to small town journalism, covering at least one earnest servants' club luncheon every week, puffy profiles of local businessmen, check presentations, city council and school board meetings, and jabbing in as much names as possible. He'd done some summer reporting for the weekly during his high school years, but rowing had occupied most of his time. Clara handed off the proof page with a boxed advert already laid out. A new doctor is taking over Doc Wilson's practice, she said. Thank God. I swear the last medical journal that old man read was on the efficacy of leeches and bloodletting. Jake nodded. Worthy story for sure. A few words from Wilson about passing the scalpel to a new generation, and then focus on Dr. Christina Doctorow. No hardship there. The ad for her family practice included a photo. Rather than the cliché white coat and stethoscope, she wore hiking shorts and a flannel shirt with rolled-up sleeves, thick dark hair and a ponytail, and a daypack hanging off her shoulder. A husky at her side gazed up adoringly. Smart dog. Jake put her in her early thirties, his age more or less, and he nodded approval. Sporty, he said, a fine addition to the Gray's Harbor gene pool. The woman's a firecracker, Clara said. Spent ten minutes haggling me down on price. I finally caved and said I'd bump this up to a half page, but she owed me a free checkup. Seriously? Jake asked. That's what she said, too. She also asked, Is that ethical? And I said, Darling, I'm in advertising. You want ethics? Deal with my nephew on the editorial side. Jake laughed. Pretty good at bloodletting yourself. What else do you got? This is so up your alley. Clara handed him the classified ad proof page, you being an expert. Jake slumped onto a kitchen chair. On what? She tapped one column box stand in the lower left. Heroes, she said. Not hardly. But Jake looked closer and reared back. The heading read, For Sale, Rare Sedgwick Sacrifice Medallion, $100 or Best Offer. There was a thumbnail photo of the medals obverse, showing the craggy face of of Philip Sedgwick, a leading member of the long-dead school of industrialist robber barons. He amassed a fortune in textile mills, newspapers, and exploited labor practices. Awash in cash, he came to philanthropy late in life. Like others in this elite group, Carnegie, Mellon, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, etc., their names and reputations burnishing generosity live long beyond their graves. Sedgwick, at his wife's urging, chose to celebrate extraordinary acts of heroism, He used eight of his many millions, an enormous sum in 1901, to endow a family trust to award exceptional heroism with the Sacrifice Medallion and needs-based financial assistance. Over the past 120 years, the trust awarded some 11,000 medallions, an inspiring legacy of courage, and yes, sacrifice. The grainy photo in the classified ad was too small to read the inscription underneath Cedric's stern visage, but Jake knew it well. It was a quotation by English poet William Blake, "'The most sublime act is to set another before you.'" Below the photo was a post office address and mail inquiries only. Jake shook his head. "'This is nuts. The price is insanely low. Insulting, really. The medallions are kind of priceless.'" "'I wondered about that,' Clara said. "'The ad costs $50, so not much of a profit.'" "'The rare few that get to auction can fetch thousands, Jake said. We try to buy them back, prefer that to having them land in the hands of the undeserving." Clara cocked an eyebrow. We? Jake shrugged. I still do the occasional freelance investigations for Sedgwick. The thing is, there's never a good reason to sell these. Either the recipient is dead broke, or dead without relatives to inherit it, or it's stolen. Or, Clara said, resting a hand on Jake's shoulder, the hero feels undeserving. He flinched. Was there... He flinched. Was there a photo of the medal's back? It had the recipient's name and the reason it was awarded. Clara shook her head. Don't even know who placed the ad. Arrived in the mail, a photo, the copy ad, and a $50 bill. No return address but the post office box. Pull the ad, Clara, he said. I'll buy it and return the money. There's a story here. Something's not right. Clara toyed with her car keys. I feel bad sometimes. Guilty. Pulling you back. you miss it your old life in Pittsburgh his pause was barely discernible great to be back in the old hometown she laughed great to earn half the salary you did in the big city great to prop up the family business great to be stuck with your old aunt aunt does a cover it Jake said I was 12 when mom passed you stepped up for dad and for me she looked like she was about to say something then shook her head and flashed an a smile a topic for another day gotta run She leaned across the table, took his hands in hers, running her thumbs lightly over his scarred palms. She raised his hands to her lips for a kiss and then returned to the door. All right, so that is the prologue in the first chapter of Hero Haters. So this was written by Ken McQueen. A little bit about Ken. Before turning to fiction, Ken McQueen spent 15 years as Vancouver bureau chief for McLean's Canada's news magazine, winning multiple national magazine awards and nominations. He traveled the world writing features and breaking news for the magazine and previously for two national news news agencies. Naturally, he had to make Jake Oakham his hero, a reporter, albeit a reluctant one. McQueen also covered nine Olympic Games and drew Jake's athletic prowess from tracking elite rowers and training and on podiums in Athens, Beijing, and London. He and his wife divide their time between vancouver and british columbia's sunshine coast so hero haters was released in 2022 from the wildwood press and is available from amazon and, and all other online retailers all right so here's my review hero haters is a thriller there's a little bit of hero in all of us but for some our hero has risen to the test stopping a shooter in a school pulling a man out of a burning car rescuing a child from a well In Ken McQueen's world, ordinary people putting other lives before their own are honored with an award for exceptional heroism, the Cedric Sacrifice Medallion. Quietly, one by one, the recipients are disappearing. Recipients vetted by one man, Jake Ogle. As the storm of hatred and disillusion swirls, Jake is again called to the most sublime act of setting others before himself. So my bottom line, Hero Haters is for you if you like high-tension thrillers driven by twisted logic and determined heroes. Strengths of the story, Hero Haters masterfully stimulates the reader's feelings of urgency, angst, and oh shit, no. This is one of those books where once you start, either you won't put it down or you'll put it down fast because you cannot take the intensity. The characters, good and bad, are well-developed and they feel like real people. The storyline is truly well thought out. Ken McQueen had to do a lot of plotting about what happened long before we meet these characters in order for it to be as flawless as it is. The story moves distinctly between Washington State and Western Pennsylvania, that Ken makes it easy for us to follow what's happening between the two locations. Where did the story sh- fall short of ideal? Well, this one doesn't, which is unusual for me with thrillers. You know, usually I get to the end and I look back and I found all kinds of contrived scenarios, coincidences, plot holes, inconsistencies between character motives and their actions. But it wasn't the case with hero haters. If they have to pick something as being weak, I will say that I had trouble keeping some of the timelines straight at the beginning of the book. As you even heard with this, chapter one happens a month before the prologue. And that did escape me. I didn't realize my mistake until I was about two-thirds of the way through the book, and while it surprised me, I can't say that it distracted from the story. So that is Toe Tag for today. So read Hero Haters by Ken McQueen, post a review, share it with others. This is really a story worth reading. I'm very happy to have the opportunity to read this one. And with that, I will let Jack take us out.